Hello, and welcome to the Jill Cruz podcast. This is Jill Cruz. And today I had, I, I can't even, it's hard for me to put words to the, describe the amazing, meaningful, fascinating conversation that I had with Lauren today. Lauren is a, a, an old friend and we go back a couple years. Lauren is a, a mom, she has two small children. And she's also a performer. She's a singer, an actor, a dancer. She does voiceover work. So imagine having two small children and also going to auditions and performing in shows and training for those shows. And she says it's it's sort of like being an Olympic athlete. And so that whole piece is just fascinating. And I think you'll really enjoy hearing about that. Lauren also, you know, she's becomes very authentic and open in this conversation about managing all of, you know, different aspects of life, taking care of your body, pursuing her career, keeping up professionally, being a mom, being a wife, being a daughter, a sister, and managing all these different aspects of her life and how, you know, she hit a wall. And the desire for social connection was part of that and and just really how she's kind of still working on coping with just juggling a million balls. And we talked about some of the strategies that she has used to even just straight straight up strategies for dealing logistically with being a very busy person, but also emotionally, really not letting those emotions, you know, not suppressing them, but facing them and being aware. So what an amazing, amazing conversation. I think you're going to love it. Hello, Lauren. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yes, it's been it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> so, how are things going with you? Um, does my long pause indicate how things are going? Yeah, things are good. Things are good. Um, feel like so. As I, I started to tell you before, I well, I have two kids now. And an 18-month-old, or actually, I think actually 19 months, which is also indication of like how crazy things feel that I don't know how old my daughter is. <laughs> I have a 19-month-old and a four-year-old, and everybody is starting, like life is starting to hum without me needing to micromanage it. And so I'm at a point where I'm basically trying to get back to more of me. So investing more time into my career more time into self-care. I'm going to say separate out exercise as its own category, more time into exercise. And it's going well and it feels crazy at moments because I'm managing so many things at once. Mm. So finding, figuring out ways to feel the balance of what's needed on a week-to-week basis and acknowledging that some days don't go as planned and how do I recalibrate and adjust and be okay with the balance in one particular moment? All of that Mm. is what I'm trying to navigate. Yeah. And, and tell for people who are listening, talk a little about a bit about what you do for your career. Yeah, sure. Um, so I am a performer. I sing, dance and act, though I don't dance as much as I used to, though I'm thinking about getting back into dance class um, just because it brings me so much joy. So Mm. I do musicals. I perform in musicals. I perform in plays. I perform on TV, do film. 
So I'm actively performing and I'm actively auditioning and actively building back the strength and stamina to physically be able to do the things that I love to do. So for instance, for singing, yes, I can sing. And can I sustain singing a show eight times a week? Eight times. Right. Like if you're going to, if you're a runner and you need to run the marathon, you train for it. Your muscles need to be conditioned to take that level of exertion. And so in the same way, the voice is a muscle, the vocal cords are a muscle. So knowing that they are strong enough to be able to do that health in a healthy manner is what I'm building back. And then I also teach voice lessons. And then I also do some voiceover work. I think those wow. are all my jobs right now. <laughs> so, wow. And and you also happen to be a wife and a mom. <laughs> right. right. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And a daughter and a sister. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, you know, so it's interesting because you said to me before we started recording that you feel like an Olympic athlete with two children. And that was really quite a statement because I think that most people, if they look at a performer like you, they might think, yeah, that's kind of tough doing eight shows a week. Like that seems like it's tough. But to, to consider that you are, you need to treat your body like you're an athlete. Right. is something that I think a lot of people would not, I wouldn't realize that. Even I would, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's quite remarkable. And so are there things that you do physically? Like you said, exercise is a different form of self-care for you. Are there things that you do to kind of train, like as if you are a runner training yeah. for a marathon? Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing currently? So there, for me, so there's the there's the mind part of the training and then there's the the rest of the body physical part of the training. Something that I really like to do a lot is run for the mind and the body for for the cardio aspect in terms of burning calories and then essentially tiring my mind out hmm. and focused on a target. There's yoga that I do for stretching overall general health and strengthening, but also in terms of singing, so many of the, so much of the the anatomy associated with singing very much benefits from yoga, from the actual stretching. So for instance, if my shoulder is out of whack because I'm holding my daughter who continues to grow on one side, then that affects how I sing. Wow. If, my, if I have muscular imbalance, it very much affects it. So for instance, I went through diastasis recti. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? What is? So I'm going to explain it in my layman's terms. I might. That's be, fine. <laughs> um, so when diastasis recti is essentially a separation of the abs, and I, it's the se- a separation of the abs down the midline, as I understand it. So what that means is that as you have a child growing in your body, your abs naturally separate to make room for this child growing. And after pregnancy, after birth, delivery, some women's bodies come back, the abs naturally come back together. Some women's just the abs stretch, but never actually separate. And for some women, their abs never fully come back together. So you go through this whole process of with trained doctors or physical therapists who help you basically re-knit your abs together. And so how that affects singing is that to speak, you need breath. 
to saying you need even more air and you need control of the air. You need to sustain a certain amount of air through a phrase and your abs are an integral part of that. And so if your abs are not connected, then you don't have the strength to negotiate how much air you need in a particular moment. So singing for the last, so I have two kids and my abs separated after my son who was who's four and only a little bit but after my second pregnancy, they stretched even more. So the work to physically, the ab work, to physically get them to close, creating the space in my life to do the ab work that I know I need mm-hmm. uh, took work. And, and then to essentially be able to retrain the muscles and the body to be remapped and integrate and sing the way it's been trained to sing for forever has been work. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it's a process and even now that they're pretty much closed and back, you know, back together, I have to keep up the ab work because they're not it's not like I get them to back together and it's done. Like I have to maintain the work. I guess in the same way that you maintain if you're trying to get a six pack, you maintain the crunches to to keep that look. I have to maintain the ab work so that they do what I need to do just so I can do my job. Wow. And doing that on top of I don't know, managing a household and a million jobs can feel like a lot. Yeah. So I just want to point out here for anybody who's listening, diastasis recti is relatively common and a lot of women aren't aware of it. So I'm glad you brought it up because I, I know there are women who are like, wait a minute, what's wrong here? You know, because physically your belly can, it can be like, Oh, you're, you've lost weight and you know, the, the, the baby fat so-called, right. And, but your belly still kind of is maintaining this round out, you know, outward pouch kind of look Mm -hmm. and people can get very frustrated and think that they just have to lose weight, but it's actually that they have to address disconnection of those muscles. So I'm glad you brought that up because there may be people who are like, Oh, that's, what's going on with me. I never knew that existed. Yeah. 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 I feel like it should be told when you're pregnant, someone should tell you about it. Like it's part of the education. Like this happens to people. (laughs) So thanks for sharing that. I totally agree. And I feel like also part of the recovery, the postpartum recovery should be that it's part of your insurance or whatever, that you get that checked out, that it's covered, that you get that checked out just as you have postpartum visits with your OBGYN. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So you have, you know, I'm thinking about like for myself, I have a business and there's like 3 million moving parts all the time. Yeah. My kids are older. Uh, so they require some attention, but it's, it's a different kind of attention. And I'm just thinking about like what your brain must look like on any given day. <laughs> Because oh it's not like you just have like one place that you go to work or or yeah. one you know thing that you're you have these totally completely different employers or you know you do contract work I'm sure for all these different things you're going to auditions and stuff that's just so you mentioned yoga and running what are things that you do to kind of keep your brain from not just exploding. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a process that I'm growing into. Um, so I'm trying, I'm doing slash trying to be more consistent with meditation. I find that really grounds me and helps me stay in the present moment. 
I veg out in front of the TV with my husband. In the moments that we take the downtime to do that, we do that. And, you know, in connecting with family and friends, that helps to kind of settle me and ground me. I haven't actually started during the, right before the pandemic, I met someone, we were both taking a course, a marketing slash acting course. Both of us had not completed the course. We're seeking out an accountability partner and we met. And so since February 2020, every single day, we've checked in with what we've done. So we've been accountable to each other, not just for our acting careers, but literally like, what did you do today? Today, I packed lunches. Today, I I took a break and I watched TV. Today, I gardened. Today, I learned this song. And that has been a huge anchoring for me because one, she's also an actress. So she has similarly, and, and a mom, so she's a similarly hectic schedule. But also what that, the act of having to be accountable to someone when oftentimes, as you pointed out, I'm a contract worker. So for a job, I'm accountable to somebody, but that's one job of many. So to have someone that I feel like I'm accountable to for everything is really helpful. And the process for me, the process of having to spell out every day what I've done is almost a gratitude practice to acknowledge, oh, in this day that I feel like I've got nothing done, which is sometimes my mindset that I'm working on changing or adjusting, to sit down and say, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. It's like a daily practice of saying, look at all the things you're accomplishing. And if I really want to, go back to March 2020 and look at the chain of emails, look at the chain of texts of how far you've come. So it gives me, help, for me, it helps give me perspective to then be able to build to where I want to go. That's the wonderful. Other, the other thing that I've started doing in terms of like how to manage the mindset is, so I actually started th- this summer, I started tracking, this is not for everyone, but essentially hour for hour, everything that I'm doing. And then Mm -hmm. after a month, um, at the end of the month, would go back and look at, okay, I spent, this project took this long. So for instance, I spent, generally speaking, five hours a week on emails. I spent generally 10 hours learning this audition material. I spent three hours exercising, whatever the balance, whatever it was. I I kind of figured out what was, um, I did an analysis of what was the, what were the trends So then I could, knowing how I felt already about the month, and I started tracking day to day how I felt. So at the end of the day, I'd say, what's my score out of 10? Is today a 10? Okay, great. What made it a 10? Today, a five? Why was it a five? Because so much, because I'm doing so many things, my mood would swing along with the day. And I was like, well, I don't want that. I want to feel more consistently fulfilled given realistically how much I'm accomplishing day to day, month to month, year to year. So fast forward to the end of the summer, fast forward to now, it took all that analysis that I did. Just just as a note, I didn't say to myself, I have to do these things today. I just said, track it just as much as just like people do food journals. I was like, just track, see what's happening. And so from that, because I had a general idea of how much time I either needed to spend on a category per week or like how much time I needed to spend on emails or how much time I needed for practice, I then very recently created a mock-up of a week schedule. And I'm someone who resists structure and yet I find that I thrive when I have it. 
Mm-hmm. So given my teaching schedule has become more regular, I blocked out when I'm teaching as firm times. And then I said, okay, in a general week, I would like to get this much of my own singing in. Okay, what blocks of time can I put that in my schedule? I'm, you know, meeting, I'm going to yoga generally on the weekends. So I'm going to carve out this time for yoga sometime on the weekends. And I piecemealed my schedule together in blocks. And, not, and this, you know, I'd like to do, I w- in my ideal world, I would meditate every day. Right now, I, it's not my reality. So I was like, well, what feels realistic? And so I put this whole week schedule together. And so my, pro- my project for myself right now is, okay, I've created the schedule that feels realistic. It feels balanced. I've hit all the areas of my life. There's family time built into it. There's packing lunches time, which I'm considering separate from family time. And then over the course of the month, week to week, I'm plugging in. And I'm also a very visual learner. So I can say things, but to be able to see it and color code it just helps me understand what I'm doing and how I'm utilizing my time. So I'm literally plugging in day to day. Okay, in this song prep time, I actually was checking emails. And during this meditation time, I didn't wake up. Or during this email time, I actually spent two hours. Or on this email period on this one day, I spent an hour. Great. I'm in alignment. So that at the end of the month, based on what I thought could be a balanced schedule, I can more accurately look at it and say, you know what, Lauren, you're trying to do too much, or you found the right balance, or yes, you find the right balance. But when these things come up, like when an audition comes up and you don't per se have time allotted for it, you tend to drop X, Y, and Z, and that works for you. And that's great. So I think feeling almost in some ways creating my schedule to feel what I imagine someone who works nine to five feels where they have super structure, kind of finding ways to create that with, within my life and acknowledging that the work, the singing prep, the acting prep is just as important as the family time, is, which is just as important as the self-care time, which is just as important as the exercise time, which is just as important as meal prep. So that's kind of how I'm tackling doing a million oh. things. That's incredible. I like I I feel like you could create <laughs> when when you retire. <laughs> Although the world really shouldn't have to wait for you to retire for this, but it sounds like a process that's did you come up with that because I I know what you're describing, I call it a time audit. You know, I've done that for myself for a couple of weeks where I just literally tracked everything I did, but it was only in the work day. Yeah. You know, and then from that, I learned, oh, I spent about this amount of time, you know, like what you were saying. But the fact that you did that, first of all, for a month is incredible. And for everything, not just work. And then you took it and you, you kind of predicted what your schedule would look like. And then you did your stuff. And then you went back and said, wait a minute, I thought it was going to take me two hours, but it only took me an hour. So you're kind of refining your uh, schedule but you're also allowing for life to happen, right? You get an audition or a child gets sick, right? So something happens. And, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is probably why this is, this is probably one of the big reasons this came about because I have had, we've had so many sick days in general. And, and in addition, because of COVID, that my time has felt not my time. Like I'll go I'll all of a sudden have a week where my kids are out of school. So yes. That's just so you have childcare for both of them. Then I'm I'm assuming so for your son goes to preschool, and I'm just curious. Like I was thinking, do you have a nanny? 
No. So both my kids are in daycare. My son's in pre-K and they have a pre-K at his at their school. So they're fortunately we're able to send them there Monday through Friday full time. So that's how I'm able to do work during the day. When they're sick, we have it's my husband and I. And my husband owns his own business, so we he has more flexibility. So the two of us kind of negotiate whose meetings or daily schedule feels the least flexible on a given day. And that's kind of how we divide up who watches the kids when they're sick. Wow. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts. One, I really want to reiterate to anybody listening, try to do a time audit. It's, It's an incredible experience. And there are tools you can use online, you know, free apps you can use to help with that. And then because what what I'm thinking is that, you know, someone might listen and go, yeah, but you know, Lauren is, I mean, she's basically functioning like a professional athlete and she's young and, you know, it's a glamorous life. Like that doesn't apply to me, but I think everything that you're saying could apply to any woman or man for that matter. <laughs> but let's face it, a lot of the stuff with the child rearing tends to fall more on the, the woman's shoulders but anybody who feels a little overwhelmed with their schedule can be learning from this because I think we all have that except people who are maybe retired. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I, one, I just want to say there are totally aspects of a performer's life that are glamorous. And yet there are so many moments that are behind closed doors that are just straight grind, that are just straight work. Like, I mean, we're not Olympic athletes and that I'm not going to the Olympics, though I could as a performer, right? But I think the the image of an Olympic athlete is helpful when comparing it to a performer because I think people understand the amount of time every day, every week, every year that athletes spend to do one performance, to do one event, the Olympics that comes around every four years. And I think oftentimes as a performer, that's how it feels. You spend hours and hours. I mean, I just thought of it yesterday. I was like, I should look in the past year, how many pages of material I have learned for auditions that I have not booked. That's oh. out. So basically, I mean, I, I love performing, so it's what I want to do, but unpaid time just yeah. to get one job. And that's not including the time that you spend doing marketing for yourself and training yourself, like taking classes and skill building. This is, that's just for applying for a job. So yes, like there's moments of the job that can be glamorous and some of those moments definitely feed you to keep going, but that's not, that's not the whole thing. And I can be a workaholic and I Mm. can be very driven and focused and I have a major... I can, I'm also, I'm trying to be a recovering perfectionist. So part of that, how that manifests for me is that it's also very easy for me to procrastinate and, and have moments where I just don't do anything. And I think a lot of people, regardless of their profession, or if they're working outside the home, can relate to the feeling of procrastinating. And like you said, feeling overwhelmed. And personally, for me, I last year and it makes me emotional thinking about it but I oh I just got to a point where I was so burnt out that I was like you know for myself I was like I felt like I hit rock bottom in terms of effort that I was like something has to change so 
I know this process that I've gone through of tracking my time has been exhaustive and extensive. And I have this accountability partner who checks in with me literally every day mm-hmm. and sometimes multiple times a day. Um, and I acknowledge that people, a lot of people probably don't have that kind of relationship ex- currently existing in their life to help support this kind of time audit that I went through. But I just, for me, it was like, no more. Like, I'm in no way old. I have a lot of years to, le- to live and I'm also 40. And I'm like, the amount of time that we have on this earth is, is not guaranteed. And so how can we make the most of every moment and feel like, f- how can we find a baseline of contentment? And so that's for me was like the foundation of like, I need to, I want to do this career. I want to, I want to have these kids. I want to be present in their lives. I want to do all these different things that matter to me. And so how can I do it in a sustainable way? that I'm not stressed or burnt out 10 years from now. So yeah. I think yeah. those feelings a lot of people can relate to. Also within this pandemic, I'm just being so, <laughs> so tired. You know, that's like a whole nother level that we didn't really talk about, but the being within a pandemic and the amount of due diligence and effort to think, to understand the current guidelines, health guidelines, to understand one another's comfort levels to to figure out ways that you yourself want to or not want to keep yourself healthy and sane like all of that is it becomes an additional job so i think mm. for me all of those things combined just i was good for a really long time and then i wasn't and it was like okay mm. i either need to take a lot of stuff off my plate and i did take st- stuff off my plate because i was doing too much but also time evaluation. Like if I was to die tomorrow, is this how I want to spend my day? No. So what needs to change? What's, um, what's giving me the most impact for my buck? Yeah. Is it, is, does meditation ground me so much every day that that, despite being a crazy schedule, is what's making me feel fulfilled and content? Yes and no. Like what, so for me, it was like, what are those things that are giving the greatest impact and sometimes the least amount of time, and then just going from there. And that self-awareness, then because I saw, I mean, I guess it's like anything, like when you see the value of the work you're doing, you're more willing to invest in it. I saw the value, like I saw my mood shifting. I felt less stressed. I felt like I could start managing these different aspirations I have. And so it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to keep going. Like, mm-hmm. and I feel more content. How can I feel more balanced? What does that look like? And I, I imagine yeah. it's also, I, I think like entrepreneurs can very much, whether you're a performer or not, like entrepreneurs can very much relate because you're your own boss. You're managing, you're responsible for everything. And yeah. entrepreneur could just be like someone running a household, a family. Yeah. Anybody in a position of managing everything. It, it reminds me, like I kept thinking earlier when you were talking about like, almost like maintaining like a fine machine, like a beautiful car or something. And the exercise, the training, the mental, you know, fortitude, like the meditation, taking time with your family, like all of these things are sort of, you know, orchestrated or um, I'm trying to think of the, the word I was coming to mind is choreographed almost, right? Like you're choreographing this life as if you were just this beautiful machine, this beautiful car. And I think that's wonderful, and if you can get to that point where you have that high level of efficiency, 
where, okay, I know my schedule and I know I need to do this. And that's a beautiful thing. But in a way, it's like there's all, you're also a human being. You're actually not a car, <laughs> you know? And so I love to encourage people to think of your body as a car. Like how would you, if you had, you know, a $500,000 sports car, how would you care for it? Well, care for your body in a similar way. But at the same time, we're human and we have these emotions <laughs> that, that kind of get in the way sometimes. And yeah. so we have to account for that, for, for not being perfect, for not getting it right, for making mistakes, for having a breakdown sometimes, you know, crying. And not that I'm saying you're having a breakdown now, but it sounds like you kind of had a little bit, you had a um, one way back then. And, you know, that happens. And so one of the things that I always try to encourage people to do is to face reality. I think a lot of times it's a, it's a fear of facing reality is like, you kind of know that your body is breaking down while right. it's happening, right? But, and you just keep going, keep going, keep, and then you hit a wall. And it's like, oh, I can't avoid this anymore, yeah. <laughs> you know? But, but if we can kind of be aware before we hit the wall or when we hit the wall and, and express our emotions, yeah. I think it's so important because, you know, I talk a lot about this, how we've all been trained to suppress our emotions. Right. Like it's not okay to cry. Like as if crying was a negative thing. I think crying is wonderful. I, I actually was crying the other day and my friend walked in, he was staying at our house and he was like, what's the matter? Like he was, you know, but he was great. And he like held my hand and he was like, it's good to cry. And I was like, I know, like I'm, I'm actually doing this on purpose. Like I had something that was bothering me that I could have just brushed off, but I actually sat down and took time to explore what was going on. And it made me cry. And then I felt so much better afterwards. So I think part of, of being a well-humming, highly efficient, highly effective machine as a human is allowing yourself to express your emotions and allowing yourself to not be perfect, to make mistakes, to fall down, to need a day, a whole day of watching TV or whatever, <laughs> you know? So I think that you've kind of encapsulated all of that by just describing your experience, which I, I, I appreciate that because you're showing the world that, hey, you are this high functioning human being, but you're, but you're also struggle, right? It's not this perfect experience. So yes, I, I appreciate you sharing that and giving me that perspective. My therapist, who I regularly see, and I regularly advocate for therapy if it's for you, I acknowledge mm -hmm. there's other ways of healing, but therapy has been amazing for me and my connection with a therapist that I feel very much gets me and challenges me and supports me. And part of her point in this journey to me is like, so I can rationalize things. Like I'm, I am very self-aware. So I can say this needs to happen. I need to, I'm feeling such and such. I need to be doing the X, but emotionally, I might not be, emotionally, I can, I might be upset or jealous or whatever, but I can rationalize how to work through the problem because I've, mm -hmm. I'm self-aware. I've been in therapy a lot. I'm, I, I'm a questioner. I'm a performer. Our job is to analyze and empathize with people. So I, I'm just going to categorize it as I'm generally self-aware, but her point to me was like, acknowledge, acknowledge the feelings, acknowledge like when you're in it, when you're at a crossroads of rationally, I know this is what I should do, or this is how I should feel, but I feel X, acknowledge the feeling mm. because that's what you have to address. 
So to your point of like, when you need to cry, just cry. And, and you felt when you just needed to cry and you felt better. It's like, and this idea of like, intuitively, we know how we feel. We know when we're doing too much. A big thing for me this last year has been finding time for social time. I get so into work and, um, and we've been in this pandemic where I've isolated. I was isolating for so long that I just got in the habit of not building in social time. And then I would, you know, in the last year I had these outbursts and I'd be so frustrated and mad. And when I got to the root of it, it was like, I wanted social time. And so it was mm. kind of like, okay, so rationally you understand people are busy. You understand that you yourself are busy. You understand, you know, you have responsibilities that need taking care of. But the base emotion is like, you want to connect with people. And mm-hmm. so to me, it was like, chase that base emotion because it's like your bat signal. It's telling you that there's a need that's unmet. And I think that has been, that across the board has been helpful to be like, I'm feeling this, I want this. Okay. It's acknowledging a potential lack in my life that I need to address. And so with this idea of, yes, we, we want to treat our bodies like cars, like machines, but we're not cars, we're human. This idea that like at any moment, schedules can change, our needs, our emotional life can pop up and acknowledge that there's something that we're not addressing. For me, this process of like scheduling and, and kind of acknowledging like these are the priorities in a day or week that need to happen. But I need to be, I want to get to the point where I can be more flexible and say, it's okay that I need to stop this because my kid is sick. It's okay that I need to drop this because today I just need to go for a walk with my friend and acknowledge that in the bigger picture, I've made time or space for all the things that matter. So if for today I need to drop things and go for a walk with my friend to have a sense of connection, I can readjust because I've acknowledged that generally speaking in a week, like when I feel this many, when I connect this many times, there's a greater sense of balance. So I can recalibrate and be like, today is the day that I, I spent more time out. So tomorrow I'm going to backtrack and say, okay, now what do I need now? Okay, now I need more email, office work, whatever. But that, mm-hmm. that like acknowledging what you need and beginning to trust that flow is okay. Yeah, I love that. Wow. Whew. This has been amazing. Like, I, I just thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing your amazing, also just logistical tip <laughs> about the time audit and all of that and really reworking your schedule. I got so much out of this conversation. Do you have any final thoughts? Because it's been incredible hearing your wisdom and your insights. And I appreciate your vulnerability because I think that's where people start to perk up and go, wait a minute, this is important. Any, anything else you'd like to say that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I appreciated what you said about allowing those emotions to flow. I, I, I actually wrote down, chase that base emotion. I want to highlight that. Chase that base emotion. Like when something's bothering you a little bit and you got down to the, to the bottom of it, it was for you in that situation that you wanted more social connection. And I think that's like, it's like a core need. And a lot of times we use fancy words like, I'm upset, I'm frustrated, I'm annoyed, I'm overwhelmed. But it's like, well, what does that really mean? Oh, there's, there are some base emotions underneath. Fear is a base emotion and um, you know, desire to connect, I think, is very much a base emotion too. So I wanted to highlight that, but also ask if you had any, any final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, like I think chase, chase the base emotion, like acknowledge the emotions that are coming up. Instead of looking at a at our emotions as something bad, look like you can look at them as like helpful guides. 
of mm-hmm. where to go and acknowledge. And then, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the thing that's coming to me, and it's funny because this is the word that it is, but trust your intuition. Mm-hmm. From my experience, when I spend a lot of time pushing my intuition to the side about what I want to do or what I need, when I, when I consistently do that, it, it's almost like it stops talking to me and it's hard to sort through all of the various things that are talking to me in my brain. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I, I guess it's just like trust your intuition and lean into it and, and test it out. And if it, something feels right to you, go for it and allow yourself, allow yourself the flexibility to get things wrong, to make wrong decisions, whether it's about career or time management. Because I think the more we say, I'm trying to think, like there's been times where I'm like, I need to exercise right now. Like my, in, my intuition, I'm going to call it that, is like, you need to exercise. That's what you need. I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense because I'm getting in an exercise later and later in the day and I've got this project that I need to focus on. You might have to scrap this. I can't follow the train of thought. Well, wait a minute because what, well, let me help out because what I'm, I'm thinking of is that what I think happens is that we've been trained over time to be disconnected from our body wisdom and from our internal wisdom, whether it's emotions or it's a physical urge, like I need to work out. Yeah. We literally, I think from birth and, and this, I'm a mom, I did it. You're a mom, you're doing it. It's just part of life. You know, when your child cries, you want to help them when they're upset, you want to try to fix the situation. And so from being babies all the way on, we are really, we get the message not to listen to our bodies, not to honor our emotions, drop everything and honor our emotions. And so by the time you're 40 or 50 years old, you're an expert at that, most people, right? And if you're not, you've probably pissed off a lot of people (laughs) or annoyed a lot of people. Because if you just be who you are and express yourself in the moment, sometimes that's not very pretty, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think the disconnect with the body is real. Uh, as a performer, as a, as an, uh, let's just say if you were an athlete, because there's a lot of athleticism involved for you, you have to be really connected to your body. You know, it, it's an interesting thing that maybe a lot of people don't have that, but it's that intuition is your, oftentimes, I'd say nine times out of 10, your body is speaking to you and, and you should listen and not ignore it. And sometimes, you know, the term microaggressions has become more popular now where, you know, a man may say, you know, you're in the workplace and a man may say, oh, you know, I like your dress. You know, I like, I like it when you wear a dress or whatever. And that may feel like inside, like, wait a minute, is he talking about my clothes? Get out of my face. You know? But, you know, we've been taught to just, okay, we're just going to accept that. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything, but there's actually something there. And so those little insults, those little microaggressions that come at us all day throughout our lives, we learn to ignore them. And the passive aggressive statements that our husbands may make or our our wives or whatever. So from what you were saying, that's kind of what I I get out of it is that if it's bubbling up for you, it's, it means something. And underneath that bubbling upness, that little annoyance or that little urge to work out deep underneath that, is something really important. 
And so if you ignore it, maybe, you know, you, I, I think you just get, I don't know if they stop, those signals stop coming, but maybe you just notice them less. And I can see how your brain, because the brain does, you know, the body in general downregulates what it doesn't use, like the word atrophy, right? If you don't use, you know, if you have an injury in your leg, your leg shrinks because you're not using it, right? So maybe there is some neuroscience behind that, but um, it could also be that we just, we just get used to ignoring it. And I, and I think that what you're saying is very, very important that we have to do pay attention to those little things that bubble up for you, especially, I always say three times, like if something has come up three times, pay attention to it. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think so, I agree with that. So I appreciate Lauren, your time and your wisdom. I think so many people are just going to really get a lot from listening to this conversation. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, thanks for having me on. I feel I feel really honored to just have this conversation. Yeah, me too. Was that incredible or not? Man, if you listen to the end all the way through, I mean, just what a conversation with Lauren. I really, really appreciate Lauren's vulnerability and just being real. You know, just being real about it. And I, I, I got a lot out of that conversation. I think you did too. So if you would like to learn more about Lauren, she is a performer and she's a singer, an actress, a dancer, and she's been in, in Broadway shows and play, different plays. And she's does voiceover. And she also uh, has been on a bunch of different TV shows. So her website is laurenhooper.com. So check her out. You know, she's on Facebook and Instagram as well, if you want to connect with her. And uh, thank you so much for listening today. If you have any ideas that you'd like to hear or you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to me on LinkedIn. I appreciate your listening today. If you are looking for more inspiration, more information, check out our website, winweightloss.com forward slash blog. That's wynweightloss.com forward slash blog. Thanks for listening today.